Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Fix-It Show listeners. Before we start a language advisory. Swear words are rare on our show, but this episode is an exception. The F word has been used by students as they spoke about the school shootings in Florida. Richard, to start this show on kind of a somber note, the school where your kids and my kids all went to high school in Westchester County is actually under lockdown today. There was a report of a armed person somewhere in the area and they locked down a whole bunch of schools in the area and this has happened in so many communities across the united states and the kids who've grown up as kind of the lockdown generation are part of what this episode is about never again will the new movement achieve its goals elizabeth maddow we're seeing the beginnings of a more politically engaged generation. I mean, I think one of the greatest sources of power for millennials is the use of social media. I think there's been this awareness that there's a limitation to just raising awareness and sharing articles on Facebook. I think what you've really seen a shift in is directly linking it to the political process and holding political leaders accountable. Our show is about fixes. Yeah, how to make the world a better place. How, how do, do we, we fix, fix it? it? How do we fix it? Just after the Parkland, Florida school shooting left 17 people dead, high school student Douglas Hogg became worried that the media was once again moving on and public interest in what happened might fade. Yeah, this is really fascinating. He started broadcasting live online using Twitter's Periscope feed. Yeah, the 17-year-old turned his camera on himself and several of his fellow students at Marjorie Stoneham Douglas High. The, the segment drew tens of thousands of viewers. It was a live segment. Here's part of what the students said. Guys, these are all students at Stoneham Douglas High School that I go to school with. The media is moving on because of the 24-hour news cycle, and it's unacceptable. If we let this keep happening and we... And we let these people keep moving on. Children are going to continue to fucking die. That's not okay. Children are dying and people are moving on. We can't let that happen. So please share this. Get it out there. This outreach on social media has grown into a real mass movement. Several other students have got together and they founded Never Again, a student-led gun control advocacy group. And in recent days, we're hearing their impassioned voices just all over the place. A generation of students who started this movement never again. And, and what's happening here? Elizabeth Maddow joins us via Skype from New Brunswick, New Jersey. 
Welcome to How Do We Fix It? Thank you so much for having me. Thrilled to be here. Elizabeth, Never Again is a student-led movement. We've seen students protesting in the streets before, so what's different this time? We certainly have seen young adults throughout American history playing a really pivotal role when it comes to affecting political change. Certainly we saw it during the Civil Rights Movement. Birmingham Children's Crusade is a great example. Certainly activism in the 60s surrounding Vietnam. And I think these students demonstrate for us that we are experiencing a shift. We're seeing the beginnings of a more politically engaged generation. You know, millennials, unlike Generation X that preceded them, uh, millennials have always been more interested in addressing public problems. Now, older millennials have tended to look towards social entrepreneurship or community activism, raising awareness, speaking out as a way of addressing public problems. What we've seen, not just in the last week or two, but certainly in the last year or two, we have seen their, their fairly immediate um, tactic of, of engaging in political activism. Right. But they also have some tools available to them that have come into maturity during their, their recent lives. Absolutely. I mean, I think one of the greatest sources of power for uh, millennials, certainly older millennials, but I think younger millennials, is the use of social media. Um, and Specifically, I, what forms of social media? Well, I would say, you know, Twitter is the most relevant, the most instantaneous. Movements such as Bring Back Our Girls that took place a couple years ago, certainly Black Lives Matter, demonstrated the power of the hashtag and the, and the movement that could be launched with an effective hashtag and use of social media. Um, so Twitter, I think, is is a very, very powerful tool. I think what's so interesting here with these students in Florida is how they've used social media not just to raise awareness, not just to bring people together for the march, for example, that's going to take place next month in, in Washington, D.C., but to directly call out public officials, you know, tweeting directly at Donald Trump tweeting directly at state legislators and members of Congress, really linking it directly to politics. And this is something actors. this is something that is genuinely new. You know, um, <laughs> in, when uh, FDR did used radio for his uh, fireside chats, the audience right. couldn't talk back, you know, <laughs> um, right. Trump's on Twitter. But anybody can answer. Anyone can tag him in a tweet or your senator or your governor or your sheriff or anybody else. And Well, and I think it's a tool that they certainly that young adults have a facility with. But I think it also reflects the ethos. It's a generation that is frustrated with cumbersome policies and really craves authenticity and connection and interactivity. So it's a tool that, you know, and I'm not sure, maybe a chicken or the egg uh, discussion. It's a tool that certainly meets their attitude, their ethos, their way of interacting with the community, with the political process. We also had this extraordinary example on old-fashioned cable TV uh, <laughs> during a town hall session sponsored by CNN with Senator yes. Marco Rubio, one of the student survivors from the Marjorie Stoneham High School, Cameron Caskey, who asked the senator whether he would continue receiving money from the NRA it was a pretty gripping moment. In the name of 17 people, you cannot ask the NRA to keep their money out of your campaign. I think in the name of 17 people, I can pledge to you that I will support any law that will prevent a killer like this. No, but I'm talking NRA money. No, no, 
know because uh, uh, matter of fact, guys, I bet we can get people in here to give you exactly as much money as the NRA would have. But it's not. I understand. And you're right. What's your reaction to what happened there? I would see two things resonate with me. First, the idea that they're not restricting their efforts to the use of social media. You know, they're not using it to replace political engagement. They're using it to facilitate political engagement. Um, but I think the portion of that interaction that struck me most was the student's reminder to, to Marco Rubio that all of the supporters of the Never Again movement or the March for Our Lives movement, the support that that group or that movement could generate financially could surpass the, the power of the NRA. So I think that's what I think is really interesting is the notion that people power, whether it's at the ballot box or donations, that, that that's really the source of their strength. And, you know, and ultimately it's at the ballot box where you have the most power. Have you found a difference in any way between the students of today that you've been teaching and those who came before or your generation when you were a student? Absolutely. It's interesting to contrast, for example, Occupy Wall Street with things like Black Lives Matter or the Never Again movement. When Occupy Wall Street was taking place, it was interesting because it seemed so far removed from the students here at Rutgers. And, and also very, very little came of that. Correct. I think there are a lot of lessons learned um, after Occupy Wall Street. Um, the idea that there has to be more structure. And I think bear in mind, too, that social media platforms were really in their infancy then also. Um, and I think lessons were learned from that. But I also think the generation has matured since then also and has become more in tune, more in touch with the sources and avenues for political power. So I've certainly seen in the last two to three years on this campus and among young adults, greater interest, greater understanding of the role of politics in their lives, but also of the role that they can be playing and the power they can be exerting. Is one important lesson that you need a concrete set of goals? I think that helps, yes. And I think that's probably one reason that Occupy Wall Street suffered. Um, and I think you do need a concrete set of goals. And I think there's something to be said for, um, you know, making sure that those goals are political in some way. So you are able to institute long lasting, broadly reaching systematic change. Um, so I think, I think there's been this awareness that there's a limitation to just raising awareness and sharing articles on Facebook. I think what you've really seen a shift in, in the last two or three years, and you're really seeing it now with never again is directly linking it to the political process and holding political leaders accountable and really demonstrating for young adults how you can hold political leaders accountable. Um, I think it's really interesting just to explore the Never Again website. Um, and so, you know, for example, you can go on there and there's a link to register to vote. I want to quote something you said recently that in your program, you try to help students learn the, quote, skills of deliberative democracy mm -hmm. to, to learn the skill of sometimes heated but respectful and inclusive discussion. This is mm -hmm. so much a theme of how do we fix it, at, that we need to be able yeah. to have these skills to talk to people who we don't always agree with. But it right. often seems that so much of what's happening on campuses today is going in the opposite direction, that people are learning the skills of, of of excluding voices they don't like and and shutting down uh, alternative viewpoints that don't fit their particular worldview. Are you seeing that? 
What I'm seeing is a heightened interest and a heightened awareness of the role of politics. I think um, in the last few years, some campuses have been caught off guard as to how do you react to this? What are the appropriate steps to take? And if, if one of my goals as a researcher, as an educator, a goal of your show is to how do we fix it? I think the way we fix it is by teaching civic engagement. This is a generation that hasn't had the civics instruction that maybe was present in the educational system 30 or 40 years ago. It's inaccurate to assume that students know how to be a democratic citizen, lowercase democratic citizen. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Thanks for listening to our podcast. It's How Do We Fix It? I'm Richard Davies. And I'm Jim Meggs. And we're talking with Elizabeth Maddow of Rutgers University and the Eagleton Institute. Um, getting back to the Never Again movement. Uh, yes. They've, they, they've organized this peaceful march on March 24th in Washington, which is probably going to be a huge event. It's yes. easy to celebrate these young people. It's easy to say, mm-hmm. gosh, they're really impressive. They're terrific. <laughs> well, they are, but yeah. Th- th- they are. But are there <laughs> any mistakes that they could potentially make? Well, I think, um, sure. And I think, um, you know, it, given that they are just beginning to exercise their political muscles, certainly. I think probably one of the greatest ones maybe setting their sights too high um, or setting their goal, having their goals be maybe so lofty that they can't be, that there's no way they can be met. So, for example, I think that's always it's always a good tactic if you're launching a social movement to have a set of goals that maybe are, are aspirational but attainable. So whether it's how many people they hope to get to their march, how many people they hope that will register to vote um, by a certain date. Um, you know, how many people, how many communities will set up local marches in their communities? So I think it's very important to set goals that are aspirational, something that you really want to work towards, but are not uh, so unattainable um, that, that it's disappointing when you don't make them. I think and, and also um, and, and, and also follow up. Absolutely. I think one thing that's going to be so important and I see on their website, they're starting to construct these materials um, there will have you know thousands upon millions perhaps people in 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 Washington making sure everyone leaves that march knowing what they can do afterwards knowing have a having a clear set of goals or agenda items so they feel as if they're a part of this movement and that they can be a part of this movement so for example putting together um, toolkits that they can take back to their communities um, templates of maybe letters to the editor 
editor that members can write or templates of letters you can send to your member of Congress or the president. Um, so I think having tools and resources available to their, to their supporters leading up to the march and after the march and maintaining some sort of relationship with them as it can be very minimal. It can be just a quick email or a text, um, staying very present on, on, Facebook and Twitter. I think offering opportunities for interactivity is very important. And I think most recently there was a, a an effort, maybe yesterday, the day before, the What If initiative um, that they launched on their Twitter uh, on their Twitter feed, right. encouraging young adults to to film short videos and upload them to their Twitter account. So, so um, what is the What If initiative? Part of Never Again. One of the students who plays a lead role in this movement, filmed a one-minute video, what if? What if young adults didn't have to do the work of their state legislators or congresspeople? You know, what if there was a background check? What if, you know, so an idea, an opportunity for young adults around the country to express what their wishes would be, how their members of Congress, how their public officials would respond in the face of a crisis. So it offers students, it offers an opportunity to broaden the reach of this movement and allow other students, young adults around the country to contribute to it. And again, using a tool that young adults are very comfortable with. Yeah. <laughs> um, whether it's, you know, everyone has an iPhone, they can film this video on their iPhone and upload it to Twitter. So it's something that's attainable, it's doable, but it's also offers something new, something dynamic, and it will keep people engaged and feel as if they have a role to play in the movement. Right. Now in your, your set of recommendations or, or what you teach, mm -hmm. Is there also a component for learning more about the issues? You know, we're all very inspired by the by the by the passion and idealism when young people get wrapped up in an issue. But passion and inspiration alone don't always mean you're right about every facet of an issue. Or sometimes Correct. issues are more complex. Solutions are not as obvious as they might seem to uh, to people who are wrapped up in a movement. Is there some way to help encourage? reflection and and um, and education in this process? Absolutely. I think a, an important skill that needs to be taught is critical thinking, is the ability to listen to other people's sides and consider the other person's side and and then reevaluate your own positions and your own your own opinions. Um, and I was heartened by the fact that students were not discouraged immediately when the Tallahassee state legislature, was unresponsive uh, when it came to to the gun control legislation. After all of those students had taken the bus to Tallahassee, this is this is in Florida, the the Florida correct. State Senate. Correct, correct, and I think helping them understand that the process, the political process, the process of passing uh, public policy is long and it's cumbersome and it's riddled with setbacks. And to be able to see that through history, to look at the path that had to be charted for the civil rights movement, women's rights movement, um, same-sex marriage, to be able to look at a number of case studies, examples of public policy efforts and victories and setbacks is very, very important um, so they can maintain their momentum. And again, so they can be setting realistic goals. Um, and measuring their progress. So certainly it's more than just speaking out. It's also listening, um, not just to public officials, but also other members of their movement. Final question, and that is, how hopeful are you that this is the start of something different, that this particular social movement will 
bring lasting change and also raise the number of young people who actually vote because voting by young people is clearly lower than it is among most older Americans. I am hopeful. And I think this is one in a series of hopeful signs I've seen in the last few years. Um, But this certainly has gained a huge amount of attention and has so immediately and directly involved political engagement, holding members of Congress accountable, holding state legislators accountable. So I, I am hopeful, and not just this in isolation, but other signs that we're seeing that young adults are recognizing what a powerful cohort they are. You know, 18 to 29-year-olds now outnumber 65-year-olds and older when it comes to eligibility for voting. So it is a generation, it is an age group that if they vote in large numbers and consistently can affect political change. So I think as of now, we're seeing lots of hopeful signs. Um, I think what's what will really what's going to be very important is to see how how well they sustain it over the summer and heading into the fall. I will be even more hopeful if I see that they're gaining support from from educators at the high school level in higher education from policymakers who play a very important role in their ability to utilize their vote, the extent to which voter registration is available online, the extent to which polling locations are on college campuses. You know, there are things that policymakers and community leaders can be doing also to really facilitate this political engagement. Professor Elizabeth Matto of the Eagleton Institute at Rutgers University, thanks very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm a little bit split on this, Richard. On the one hand, I'm so inspired seeing these kids so articulate, so passionate, so effective in their use of the tools that are in their hands to help fight back against this tragedy they're saying. And tools that they know how to use better than the rest of us because they've grown up with Twitter and other forms of social media. Right. I think that one of the lessons of democracy and something that's actually written into our founding documents is the notion that an impassioned group of people isn't always right. And we can admire the the passion, the dedication without necessarily assuming that every single policy prescription is going to work. Even something that seems on its face as simple as gun control is actually pretty complicated and, and needs some research and some careful crafting of legislation to fix. But politics and social movements aren't just about rational behavior. They're about passion and they're about seizing the moment. And America really does have a huge problem with gun violence and with these horrible mass shootings. And something does need to be done. And part of the solution, it may not be the whole solution, is gun control. Right. It might be part of the solution. This isn't a show about the pros or cons of gun control. It's about youth movements. But what I'm trying to say is we want to encourage engagement, but we also want to encourage something that Elizabeth talked about, which is learning the skill of listening, hearing uh, voices that you that you don't necessarily agree with, and maybe developing or modifying your position or perhaps convincing those people that don't agree with you. I think there's a lot of people in the middle on gun control who could be swayed, but I think it's important that these conversations happen in ways that aren't just immediately tilting over to vilifying the other side. And speaking of that, 
we don't want to repeat what happened when I was a kid, the Vietnam War protests, which I thought were great. And they did help bring an end to the war a little bit quicker than it would have done. And as a result, probably tens of thousands of lives were saved. But the downside was vilifying what this movement saw as its opponents. The young men and women who served in the armed forces came back and were treated horribly. This is something that goes back to the earliest days of our show when we interviewed uh, Joan Blades about the Living Room Conversations movement. If there's anything we stand for, it's the idea that that... Even on the thing you feel most passionate about, you have to develop and often learn the ability to discuss that issue with people that you might consider your enemies. I think there's no doubt that this is a powerful moment in American history and that probably it's because, at least partially, the election of Donald Trump has produced such an incredible wave of opinion against him, both through the women's movement and now these, this movement of young people, that perhaps there really will be some substantive change, whether that change will be lasting and whether we will have more people voting and taking part constructively in the political process remains to be seen. And here's where I'm going to restate the sort of the classic Burkean conservative viewpoint. Beware of popular passion. Beware of mass movements that are completely convinced of their virtue and rightness. Uh, that's what it, that's what elected Trump. If you don't like Trump, you have to acknowledge that he was swept into office by a movement of virtuous outrage on the part of certain people. That worries me on the right, and it worries me on the left. I, and I worry that the center is sometimes, and I'm not accusing the, the, by the way, I'm not accusing these students of being, you know, somewhere on the far left or something like that. I think what they're doing is quite admirable. Yeah. But we, but I'm saying that we can't just celebrate movements. We also have to celebrate rationality, study, discussion, and arriving at positions that things that actually work, as opposed to stoking division. On that somber and worrying note, it's how do we fix it? I'm Jim Meggs, the, the somber and worrying one. <laughs> yes, indeed. I'm Richard Davies. Thanks for listening. Our producers, Miranda Schaefer, music by Liz Stravinsky. We are a production of Davies Content. Check us out and what we may be able to do for you in podcasting at DaviesContent.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.